grandchildren are here today um, in the nursery and I should put a plug in for the nursery more often than I do they always enjoy it because Miss Donna takes care of them and so I thank Miss Donna and Mr. Frank and their helpers for always doing a wonderful job in kid zone downstairs Jeannie's brother came to see us this week uh, just for a brief while he had to get to the airport uh, and I suggested Marta the rapid rail is the best way to get to the airport, usually. He got on the train 6 o'clock Wednesday morning. Little did I know when I told him the best way to get to the airport is the train that on Tuesday night something had derailed somewhere between here and the airport. So he had to get off and take a bus and Thankfully, he did not miss his flight because he's a lot bigger than I am, and I'm glad that he made it. If you drive much, you likely use an app, Google Maps, Waze, something like that to get around or 
Maybe you have a Garmin to help you navigate to avoid traffic jams. We spend a lot of our time in our lives trying to get from point A to point B, don't we? And in Atlanta, it's a little different than other people's challenges of getting from point A to point B. I have a friend, and I'm not making this one up. She was trying to get from single to married, point A to point B. And she was in college at the University of Kentucky, and this has been 30-something, 40, maybe near 40 years ago. And she saw a boy that she liked on campus named Bob. And so Karen got a sheet, wrote Bob's name on it, full name, and hung it out the window of her dorm. And so Bob has buddies say, your name is hanging off the side of a girl's dorm. Oh, no, it's not. It can't be. And they were persistent, and so he went for himself to say, and this is such an unusual story because Karen was so, well, you would think timid and shy, but Not at the time at UK, she was not. Bob met Karen, and they married. And I was their pastor in Indiana for several years. So it worked, point A to point B. She had a plan. Today we're going to continue our series about prayer. Our lesson today is how to get from point A, worry, And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if there's any worriers here. I'm not going to do it. How do we get from point A, worry, to point B, peace? And is it even possible? Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, that it is possible. And forgive us if we are worried. Forgive us if we don't have peace because you want us to be people of peace and not of worry. And you've shown us how. And so today, Father, help us to get from a bad point A to a great point B. Thank you for your word that instructs us, for your spirit that puts up with us, for your son who gave his life for us. And this day be close. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read you a letter that I saved about worry. Worrying for me is an art. I take it very seriously. I won't ride roller coasters because I could die if the coaster were to fall off the track or maybe I'd just have a heart attack for the sheer speed itself. I worry while on an airplane because honestly, how do we really trust a 90,000-pound chunk of metal to stay up in the air with another 65,000 pounds of luggage, fuel, and people? Really? Come on. I worry about riding with my husband while he is driving. I mean, let's be honest, do any of us really think our spouse can drive better than we can? I worry if there'll be enough money in the bank to pay all the bills each month. I worry that my brain may freeze and I'll forget how a certain hymn goes, which actually does happen from time to time. I worry about our future with our son with autism. What will happen to him if, God forbid, something happens to myself or Alex? I could literally keep on going all day and probably into the night with my list of worries. I'm the biggest hypochondriac ever, and every single small thing turns into a huge thing for me. So how do we get from the point of frantic, tense times to a peace that passes understanding and truly know that God is in control and has our back? 
I have no idea. She ends. It's likely a common problem. Worry to peace, point A to point B. How do we do it? You remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 about worry. You sang right from there. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. So Jesus tells us not to do it, but does he tell us how? Well, it's interesting to note that this section on worry comes right after Jesus' teaching about prayer and fasting. Earlier in Matthew 6, he teaches prayer the Lord's Prayer, verses 9 to 15, and there's instructions for fasting in verses 16 through 18. And we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer in weeks to come. The scripture that I wanted to focus on is the same verse we looked at last week, but just at a different angle. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Last week, we focused on the last part of the verse. Let your request be made known to God. This week, the first part, do not worry about anything. And here, instead of worrying, we are told to pray. And that's the key. The bridge between worry and peace is prayer. You'd think the author of these words who wrote, don't worry, would have it made. No worries, no problems, a life of leisure, easy street. You would be wrong. You likely know Paul wrote these words. You likely know he wrote them while he was in prison in a Roman jail. The book of Acts tells a lot of his story, and you'd probably know most of it. In chapter 19, he survives a riot. In chapter 20, there's a plot to kill him. Chapter 21, he's arrested and beaten and threatened. Chapter 22, he's brought to trial. Chapter 23, there's another conspiracy to kill him. In chapter 4, he's in jail for two years. In chapter 27, he's sailing to Rome and in a shipwreck of all things and on top of it, bitten by a snake. And so he's finally in, he's finally in a Roman prison. And while in prison... He writes, do not worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. 
what Paul is doing in the original language is writing in the English teachers would call it a, the imperative. What he's doing is he's saying, stop it. Stop worrying now. And since we know his situation and he's telling us to stop worrying, do we think Paul's in denial? Is something wrong with Paul? Is he trying to tell us to ignore our situations, to bury our head in the sand, to escape from reality, to pretend everything is fine? No. He's telling us to pray. And it's not Paul that something's wrong with. It's the rest of us that don't follow what he has said. When we worry, we deny the power of God. When we worry, we are focusing on the wrong things. When we worry, we forget that Jesus is Lord. And Scripture says, do not worry about anything. It says, at a blanket, anything. And the reason we are told not to worry about anything is we're told to pray about everything. Nothing should be left out. Worry and prayer are opposing forces. If you're worrying, you're not praying. If you're praying, you're not worrying. We're also told in this verse to pray with thanksgiving. And thanksgiving is a great antidote to worry. If we're counting our blessings, we're in a much better place than when we worry. If we're thankful, we're focusing on what we have instead of not something that we don't have or something that may or may not happen. I remember this illustration from years ago in Mississippi. Bob and Martha had built a new house and they spent all this Saturday working on the yard, tilling it and raking it and sowing expensive grass seed. And it got to be nighttime and it was bedtime and they had predicted a storm that night. Bob got ready for bed and Martha got mad at Bob for getting ready for bed with all of this grass seed out in the yard and this big storm coming. And she says, aren't you going to stay up? Now, Martha was a worrier. What is Bob going to do? Go with tweezers and get every little grass seed out of the yard? Get a big tarp and cover it up? Do some kind of a dance and see if he can stop the rain from coming? Bob told me this the next day in church, by the way, but Martha wasn't around to hear him say it. Bob understood there was not a thing he could do. And Bob looked at Martha and he said, and I quote from what he said, God will be up all night. I'm going to bed. That's good stuff. God's going to stay up. I'll let him handle it. When you follow what happens, or follow what you're commanded in Philippians 6 about praying and not worrying. Look at the promise in Philippians 7, chapter 4, verse 7. If you do these things, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that interesting? We started with worry and we ended with peace. And what's in between? 
prayer. Let me read the verses together, verses 6 and 7. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Kay was reading it along with me, and I didn't even ask her to do that, but I'm glad you did. Let's all do it. Kay, that's a great idea. Let's all read that together. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Perfect. How do you get from point A to point B? You just said. How do you get from worry to peace? Prayer. It's your choice. We can have peace or we can go to pieces. It depends if we're worrying or if we're praying. The peace is so special, it defies description. We refer to it as peace that passes understanding. That's what God wants for us daily. One commentator put it this way. God will place a guard at the door of your intellect and your emotions. If you're not praying, you don't get a guard. If you are praying, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. The idea of having that is of having a fort with guards around it. Enemies are waging war against your fort, but inside you're living as though nothing is happening, as though peace prevails when you're living your life in the confidence of the protection of the guard. And that's a promise from God. He will guard your heart and your mind, but you have to do your part, and I do too. 1952, Albert Einstein, some say the smartest man who perhaps lived, was delivering a lecture on the campus at Princeton. And a doctoral student asked the famous scientist, what is there left in the world for original original dissertation research? With a moment of thought, Einstein replied, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, prayer pulls the rope down below, and the great bell rings above the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell, for they so languidly, for they pray so languidly. Others give an occasional jerk at the rope. But he who communicates with heaven is the man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all of his might. In other words, ring the bell. Ring the bell. There's your homework this week. Let's pray together. Lord, maybe it's health. Maybe it's wealth. Maybe it is a job. Maybe it is a person. Maybe it's a child or a grandchild, a niece, a nephew, a parent. Maybe it's politics. Whatever it is, let us be people of prayer more than ever before and let that change the world and let us be changed. Father, what a different world it would be if we prayed like we ought, without ceasing. Help us to do just that 
And thank you ahead of time for giving us peace, no matter what the circumstance. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We are going to sing a hymn of invitation this day. Just to give you opportunity, if you're, you're more used to joining a church that way, or if you'd like to come to the front and, and say a prayer for something you've been worried about, you're welcome to do that during this time. As we stand and sing, I surrender all.